There's this thing I've heard many times about stones and glass houses or something like that, and it seems to apply to more and more elements of the modern American right wing. As many of you know, there is a group of Republicans right now persecuting, not prosecuting, at least not yet, but persecuting Joe Biden over a supposedly it it sounds almost so stupid when you say it, but some kind of incredible mob like uh, bribery, criminal bribery scandal for self enrichment and nepotism and all of these different things. Evidence is always just out of reach. Once Tucker Carlson had the evidence, but it was lost in the mail, some kind of USB drive that was mailed, I guess, via DHL or FedEx. I don't know. And it got lost. Uh, But one of the main uh, persecutors is a Republican congressman named James Comer. And one of the primary elements that Comer and some of the people around him have cited as evidence of this incredibly um, uh, well-crafted criminality by Joe Biden is a two hundred thousand dollar check that was written from Biden to his cousin now uh, or brother. Now, there's been a very simple explanation given, which is, oh, it was just returning a loan. That, that's all it was. The money went one way and then it came back. This was an intrafamily loan. There's no link to China. There's no link to Burisma. There's no links to any of these things. And as always, they say, well, we we are soon to find that evidence. There's a problem now, though, and this is where we get to the stones and the glass houses. And the problem for James Comer is reported by the Daily Beast is that James Comer, it turns out, also paid his own brother two hundred thousand dollars. And if circumstantially such payments are indicative of problems, corruption, criminality, and they indicate that we need an investigation, then it seems James Comer himself should be investigated as well. Um, Here is the article which says James Comer is going after Joe Biden because he loaned his brother James Biden two hundred thousand dollars. If that's the standard, James Comer may want to investigate himself. And as it points out here, Comer has in particular been trying to make hay out of two personal loan repayments from James Biden to his brother for forty thousand dollars and two hundred thousand dollars, all transactions occurring in 2017 and 2018 when Joe Biden was neither in office nor a candidate. If Comer genuinely believes these transactions clear the shady business practices bar, he might want to consider a parallel inquiry into his own family. Uh oh, according to Kentucky property records, Comer and his own brother have engaged in land swaps related to their family farming business in one deal also involving two hundred thousand dollars, as well as a shell company. Oh, boy. The more powerful and influential Comer channeled extra money to his brother, seemingly from nothing. Other recent land swaps were quickly followed with new applications for special tax breaks. State records show all of this perplexingly related to the dealings of a family company that appears to have never existed on paper. Now, I am going to be super honest with everybody. It's not obvious to me that there is criminal wrongdoing here or even a lack of ethics. It's possible that there is, but I'm not even making that claim. The important thing here 
is that it is abundantly clear that the circumstantial evidence they cite against Joe Biden is not actually circumstantial evidence of any of the crimes they claim he was involved in. The seemingly demented and senile Joe Biden, who hasn't known what day it is for apparently years, we are also to believe is the head of an almost mob like crime family involved in all sorts of nepotistic criminal bribery and corruption for self enrichment of himself and his family. And yet we just can't seem to find any of the evidence. But now the additional problem is that James Comer circumstantially has engaged in many of the same things. Should Comer be investigated? I don't know. I just want them to be consistent. And at a certain point, we all have to ask ourselves if they can't find the evidence against Biden for supposedly widespread criminality going over years with a guy who's been in the public eye for decades, maybe it's because he didn't really commit the criminal bribery. Maybe it's because he didn't really do the things for which he's being accused. Now, there's a bigger picture problem here. Obviously, Republicans will come up with some reason why it's different. Oh, no, no, no. What James Comer seems to have done is completely different. And this is what about ism and so on and so forth. They'll come up with that one way or the other. The important thing to understand is that if Donald Trump wins, they will be unrestricted in their ability to target their political enemies. Right now, Republicans are struggling with this Biden impeachment inquiry and potential impeachment that some of them say is coming inevitably in 2024. What they are struggling with is that there's no evidence. But with Trump as president, maybe even with someone like DeSantis or Nikki Haley as president, I don't know, but certainly with Trump as president because he told us he would do it and he told us again over the weekend and we're going to review that video footage a little bit later. It's not going to be well, we're trying to get something going in the House, but we're struggling to find the evidence, but maybe we'll impeach. I don't know. Trump says that he will direct the Department of Justice to go after Joe Biden and other political enemies criminally. So as bad as what they're doing now is, and it is bad, it's brazen. It's obvious what they're doing as bad as it is. They are somewhat restricted that there is at least a process which is not turning up enough evidence to go forward in the House of Representatives. If you instead are dealing with a Trump that has nothing left to lose back in the Oval Office, an attorney general that will be a complete yes person, probably a yes man, maybe a yes woman, I don't know, probably a yes man in the Department of Justice, you are going to see this escalate dramatically. And so believe these people when they tell us what they're going to do. Look at what they've done with no evidence over the last six months and then just imagine what a completely unrestrained Donald Trump would do for me. You know, we talk about excitement for voting. Maybe excitement's not the right word, but acute motivation to prevent that disaster from becoming a reality is certainly activating me to vote. And I know it's applying to many in the audience who have said, you know, David, the, the, the whole story of how exciting is 80 year old Joe Biden? It's not the right question. The question is, how important is it to me to prevent Donald Trump from being president once again? And the people writing into me are saying it is extraordinarily important. You don't have to find 80 year old Joe Biden, the most titillating potential president to realize 
that we have to prevent Trump from being president again. One guy who is not going to be president is South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott, who has ended his campaign in total and complete humiliation. We knew his campaign was dead on arrival at the very top level. Like if you zoom out, you know, we can say, well, what's what's Tim Scott's tax policy? Does he want a 39 percent or 34 percent top top tax rate? What does Tim Scott think about uh, what should be done with regard to bringing supply chains back home? Okay, that's micro zoom out. Is the Republican electorate that voted for Trump going to make a black guy their nominee? It's it's that simple. And so many of you got it right when Tim Scott announced it is just from an identity perspective, not what the electorate that just in a bloodthirsty way went for Trump. They're just not going to go with Tim Scott. And indeed, they haven't. Here is a report from The New York Times. Tim Scott suspends 2024 campaign as his sunny message. It's one way to put it as his sunny message failed to resonate. He entered the Republicans presidential race as a rising star with substantial financial resources, but struggled to break out of the pack of Trump challengers. That is absolutely true. The article says Scott entered the race in May, pledging a different kind of message from the often apocalyptic tenor of some in the Republican field, including Trump. But Scott's brand of sunny optimism holds little appeal in the modern GOP, where the impulse among the party's core voters encouraged by Trump is indeed to be combative. Look at the money that Scott spent. Scott started his campaign with 22 million in fundraising, spent millions in TV ads, but the poll numbers were stagnant, never had a breakout moment on the campaign trail. The super PAC supporting him fueled by 30 million in donations from Oracle co-founder Larry Ellison announced it was seeing no progress. It slashed television ads and on and on. And as uh, you all know, the campaign went absolutely nowhere. Uh, where does this leave us at this point in time? Well, I, I mean, look at look at what's left, right? You've got Donald Trump polling almost 60. DeSantis has seen a little bit of a spike to 14, um, but it seems impossible that DeSantis will end up as the nominee. Nikki Haley has surged to nine. She has gone up from one to nine. That's a nine X on her polling. Maybe Nikki Haley can figure out some way to stay in this thing. Vivek Ramaswamy's campaign seems dead. He was supposedly surging, then lost half of his support. And then you've got Chris Christie. This is all that's left. Tim Scott is out. Pence is out. Honestly, I don't even know if Burgum and Hutchinson are still running. I think they're not, but maybe they are there. None of them are, is polling even one percent. Um, and so, I mean, they don't want Chris Christie. They don't want Vivek. DeSantis lost two thirds of his support. If it's not Trump now with the exit of Tim Scott, it seems it is only potentially Nikki Haley. Um, as far as Tim Scott is concerned, I guess he'll now have plenty of, of time to awkwardly stand next to his supposed girlfriend. I don't know how many of you saw he brought his girlfriend up on the stage after the last debate, and it was super, super awkward. So he'll be able to maybe work that out. And in the meantime, for all the talk of a contested primary, it's not even obvious to me there's going to be a Republican primary the way that this is going. And we still are waiting, you know, even though Pence is gone and Scott is gone, they still are both appearing in a lot of primary polling. 
by the end of this week, we will probably have polls where Scott and Pence's five percent will have been absorbed by someone. If it's mostly absorbed by Trump, it'll actually put Trump over 60 percent. If Nikki Haley cannot figure out a way to win a state early, there may not even be a primary for the Republican Party by the time Super Tuesday comes around. So that's where things are today. The Tim Scott candidacy did not even pass the sniff test. And what now becomes a real question is, what do these Trump voters want out of out of a candidate and out of Trump? What do they expect over the next few months as the voting starts? And how, if at all, will they be impacted if Donald Trump is just so busy going from courtroom to courtroom as a criminal defendant that he can't really run a campaign for all the talk about Biden ran a campaign from his basement, save a handful of rallies here and there. Trump is not doing a lot of campaigning and um, it's not totally clear at this point what the Republican voters want. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, probably not today, probably later in the week. After the show, we are going to talk about one particular issue. This is the last the last gasp of the Republican challengers to Trump is starting to say, hey, you know what? Trump does seem to be suffering from cognitive decline. Something happened this weekend that pushed the cognitive decline story into the mainstream. We will look at it. We will look at what Republicans are saying and see if it'll make any iota of a difference. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you Nerd Wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. As many of you know, I spend a lot of time working on the show, doing research, preparing for interviews, filming the show. And when I need just a quick and easy snack during a break, I love whipping up instant ramen noodles, low maintenance. But ramen noodles have never been known to be the healthiest thing in the kitchen. Our sponsor, Immy, has changed that. Every pack of Immy ramen noodles has only six grams of net carbs up to 21 grams of protein. That's three times more than traditional brands helps you feel fuller, longer and 18 grams of fiber, which is great for gut health and digestion. The best part is it tastes better than any other instant ramen you've ever had. Six delicious flavors. These are all vegan black garlic chicken. It's vegan, spicy red miso, spicy beef, vegan pork tonkatsu, vegan. Immy is a fun and tasty instant ramen experience like you're used to with more to offer nutritionally and without all the carbs. Having Immy around will keep you from going for the junk food. Go to immyeats.com slash Pacman five. Use the code Pacman five for five dollars off. That's I M M I eats dot com slash Pacman five. Use code Pacman five for five dollars off. The info is in the podcast notes. 
You know, one of the odd things that goes on in bathrooms in the United States, uh oh, where is this going? Is, you know, when I moved to the US from Argentina, there's really no bidets in the United States. The bidet is just a part of life in Argentina. And why would you make a compromise in the bathroom? Why not have the elevated level of comfort and cleanliness, which is now easy and affordable with our sponsor? Hello, Tushy, the Hello Tushy bidet cleans everything with a fresh stream of water, two times better than alternatives like paper. You just spray and pat. It cuts down toilet paper use by 80 percent. It saves you money. It reduces paper waste. So a Hello Tushy bidet really pays for itself in under a year, attaches to your existing toilet. You don't need an electrician. You don't need a plumber. You install it. Takes eight minutes or less. Super easy. I got one and it is fantastic. And with over 100,000 five star reviews, every bidet comes with a 30 day risk free guarantee, 12 month warranty. Stop wiping and start washing. Go to hellotushy.com forward slash Pacman and use the promo code Pacman for 10% off your first order. That's hellotushy.com slash Pacman for 10% off. The info is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show continues to offer the full experience to our paid members. We're primarily supported by our audience, not a big media conglomerate. We don't have, you know, Fox News gets a few bucks from every single cable subscriber. That's bonker stuff. We don't have that. We have the support of the people that choose to support us. You can do so at joinpacman.com. We'll make the entire show available to you commercial free hours before it's published to everybody else. We also do a daily bonus show when I'm joined by producer Pat and we do more show on the bonus show. If you can imagine you can use the coupon code, by the way, apropos uh, today, uh, F Fox, that's Fox with two F's to save 50% at joinpacman.com. And remember that when the new David Pacman show website launches, which at this point it could be 2028. No, it should be by the end of the year. When the new David Pacman show website launches, we will be doing our first membership price increase in a decade. Inflation proof, better than those bonus buckets of grain or whatever Jim Baker sells inflation proof. Sign up now. Lock in today's rates for as long as you want to keep them. That's at joinpacman.com. Donald Trump had a major cognitive episode during a dystopian authoritarian rally in Claremont, New Hampshire over the weekend. What happened at this rally has pushed the Trump cognitive decline story mainstream. Corporate media is now talking about Trump's cognitive decline. Trump's Republican challengers are now talking about Trump's cognitive decline. We've been seeing it coming for a very long time. And it wasn't just us. It's not, you know, a pat on the back, although I'll take it, please. Uh, But it was not just us who saw this coming. Here is Donald Trump again. He says, I'm going off teleprompter and once again seems to think that Barack Obama is currently the president of the United States. You know, one story, a quick story. You don't mind if I go off teleprompter like a lot, do you? So much more exciting. So much more. But the head of Hungary, a very tough, strong guy, Viktor Orban. Did anybody ever hear of him? Probably 
you know, considered very powerful, very uh, powerful within his country and outside of his country, uh, not exactly loved by some of the European nations because he does his thing. He didn't allow millions of people to invade his country. He allowed nobody to invade, the zero, zero. He had nobody. So he doesn't have crime and he doesn't have the problems that they're having in other countries where millions of people are allowed to go in. But they were interviewing him two weeks ago and they said, uh, what would you advise President Obama? The whole world seems to be exploding and imploding. Hmm. And he said, it's very simple. He should immediately resign and they should replace him with President Trump. There you go. What is it that should happen to President Obama right now? Well, President Obama should resign when he doesn't have the prompter. He repeatedly says things like Obama is the president of the United States, that which he accuses Joe Biden of, of being unable to make sense without a teleprompter is actually true of Donald Trump. And so we'll get back to the cognitive decline story because this is now this is now not an obscure story on YouTube. This story has now gone mainstream. Now, also extraordinarily disturbing from this rally. Here is Donald Trump echoing Adolf Hitler during the rally, talking about rooting out the vermin from the country, the language that the Nazis used about Jews. Today, especially in honor of our great veterans on Veterans Day, we pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxist, fascist, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country, that lie and steal and cheat on elections and will do anything possible. They'll do anything. This is a Hitler quote almost verbatim. Now, does Trump know that? Honestly, I have no idea. We know Trump doesn't read anything but he used to keep a book of Hitler speeches on his nightstand, according to one of his ex-wives. Is it possible Trump knows that or is this just a beauty read off of the teleprompter written by somebody else? It doesn't really matter, but it is the language of the Nazis that Trump is adopting. Trump with continued cognitive struggles, telling a crowd of supporters in New Hampshire that he was indicted in in his civil uh, fraud trial. Now, you don't get indicted, you get sued. But Trump seems to think he was indicted. He says, how can it happen? They got me in New York where my company turned out to be a great company instead of a bad company. They indicted me because they said I inflated numbers and my numbers, it turned out, were extremely conservative. Just Trump was not indicted in the civil fraud trial. Now, in his defense, OK, I'm going to I'm going to give you the, the, the defense of this one. Let's be charitable. If I had been indicted for as many crimes as Trump has been indicted in, I might also wrongly assume that the civil fraud trial is an indictment, too. So let's I'm willing to give Trump a pass on this one. Now, there was a genuinely funny moment at this rally. Donald Trump actually joked about Ron DeSantis's high heels. I actually thought that this was funny and Trump mimicking the way that DeSantis is forced to walk because of his high heels. The one funny moment in a context of total dystopian authoritarian uh, house of horrors. And I'm not wearing lifts either, by the way. I don't have six inch heels. Actually, the greatest moment of the debate when Ron was walking around to Sanctimonious was walking off the stage. 
and his feet, it's weird. Because his cowboy boots. So they have a high heel outside, but inside you got a big deal going on. And he's walking like... He's walking off the stage like he's trying to balance himself. I thought he was wearing ice skates. No. That's actually some good stuff. That is, that is genuinely good stuff there, but it was mostly horrible. Trump then doing the Chris Christie routine. Trump does this thing at rallies where he won't directly call Chris Christie a quote fat pig, but he'll either. I don't know if he's pretending to hear someone call him a fat pig from the audience or if people in the audience are really yelling out he's a fat pig when Trump mentions Chris Christie. But the way Trump does it is he pretends to admonish the audience and say, no, no, he's not a fat pig, which, of course, is a way of bringing up the term fat pig and Chris Christie in the same sentence. They said this man said something he shouldn't say. I will defend. He said Chris Christie is a fat pig. You you cannot say that, sir. You can please, please take that back. Please take that back. No, they said this man. Trump also <laughs> anyway, Trump also apparently continuing to violate gag orders that have been placed on him while he was, of course, attacking special prosecutor Jack Smith. He also included Jack Smith's family in this. Is any judge going to have the audacity? the courage, the bravery to actually jail Trump and say you violated the gag order enough times. We're throwing you in jail for the weekend. Deranged Jack Smith. Have you ever heard of him? He's a lovely, he's a lovely man. Do you ever see him with the purple little thing? He's a lovely man. The Trump hating prosecutor in the case, he's uh, his wife and family despise me much more than he does. And he decides I think he's about a 10. They're about a 15 on a scale of 10. And he was involved, you know, Jack Smith, the deranged one, I call him. There you go. Another apparent violation of Trump's gag order. And then just a couple other things to highlight Trump with a completely at the, you know, maybe I'm not smart enough. I English is my second language. Maybe there's just I have a limitation. I don't know what the hell Trump is talking about in this rant. And we're becoming a drug haven. You know, China many years ago was being taken over by much smaller countries because they were all drugged out on the poppy fields, the poppy, the drugs, heroin, different drugs. But they were all drugged out. The nation was drugged out. And then along came a very powerful leader. You know who that is? And he said, no more. And from that time, pretty much until now, they uh, they've been strong, but they were all drugged out and uh, they were I mean, our nation's becoming that way. Okay, our nation's becoming that way. You look at our nation is that you almost say, how does it survive when so many people are absolutely sick? Right. And uh, the crowd understandably silent at that point. And then lastly, and I did not find anything like this in the history books. Trump claims that before he was president, officials at the VA, the Veterans Affairs Department, could legally murder veterans and not only not be prosecuted, but keep their jobs. Uh, terrible. They would treat them terribly and you couldn't do a damn thing about it. They'd be in there and they were saying this. They had people. This wasn't prime time for our people and they weren't able to defend themselves. They had people that would really mistreat our veterans and uh, we couldn't do a thing about it because of the laws. Civil service said otherwise you couldn't do a thing. They could be as bad as they wanted. They could do everything up to murder 
And the way they treated some of these people were just horrible people. I don't remember that. I looked it up. I was able to find no evidence that VA officials were just able to kill veterans. And it sounds unrealistic at its core. So the big story from this rally, really two stories. Number one, continued dictatorial wet dreams from Donald Trump, but maybe more notable in terms of the media coverage and what's happening with the Republican challengers is the Trump cognitive decline story, which I want to focus in on in a slightly different way right now. I noticed a very interesting uh, thing over the weekend, which is that stories about Donald Trump's apparent confusion and cognitive decline seem to have gone far more mainstream. Mediaite had an interesting uh, piece here. Trump is again confused. Trump mixes up who is president during speech. Media calls him out. And indeed, the article outlines these moments that Donald Trump has been having where he consistently and regularly misidentifies Barack Obama as the current president of the United States. He recently referred to Viktor Orban, the leader of Hungary, as the leader of Turkey. He repeatedly has said that Hungary shares a physical border with Russia. It does not. And on and on and on. And so the story of Trump's confusion and possible cognitive decline has now gone mainstream. And in fact, Jonathan Carl from ABC News has talked about this. Maggie Haberman has talked about this. ABC's This Week has talked about this. So there are more and more of these stories. But it's not just in corporate media that the Trump cognitive decline story is getting attention. It is also now getting attention among Donald Trump's rivals. Now, before I talk about this, there's a Washington Post piece. Trump's rivals seize on opportunities to challenge his acuity. I do think it's important to mention that I don't believe that it is new that the people running against Trump have an opinion about Trump's cognition. Let me explain what I mean by that. I'm not I don't know deep down whether Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or whoever think Trump is fine cognitively or think Trump has lost it cognitively. They may. They may. I don't know. My point is, I don't believe that that's changed over the last three months. What has changed over the last three months is the fact that they now see probably no path to securing the Republican nomination. And as a result, these Republican rivals to Trump are coming up with what could I say? What can I try to try to make some headway in the polls? Some of them are now willing to say maybe Trump isn't quite with it. And uh, the article refers to a number of people. Nikki Haley speaking to a group of Jewish Republican donors mocked Trump, saying he seems confused about which are our allies and which are our adversaries. The Biden campaign has also started stepping up its posts about these various verbal gaffes and different things. Ron DeSantis has alluded to this by talking about how it's not the same Trump. Something's different. He was, you know, seemed fine in 2016 or 2020, but now something has changed. Whether this is a real issue or not, and I don't pretend to diagnose on this program, what I do is I observe and I report. Trump has a history of this. Rudy Giuliani sitting right in front of him and Trump looking around goosenecking. Where is Rudy? Trump saying Melania really wanted to be here and Melania is, you know, sitting one person away from Donald Trump. Trump coming down from Air Force One, looking for his plane and wandering off and having to be brought back by the elbow by a Secret Service agent. 
And of course, the constant verbal gaffes and glitches. Could it be stress? Sure. Could it be a side effect of a medication? Maybe one that Trump hasn't disclosed that he's taking? Absolutely. Could it be a cognitive issue? 100%. The important story is the following. In the same way that James Comer says Joe Biden moving money, loaning money to his brother is suspicious and then getting the money back requires an investigation. James Comer did the same thing. So if that requires an investigation of Biden, then it requires an investigation of Comer. And similarly, if your big argument against Joe Biden is he loses his train of thought or he seems to be suffering from cognitive decline or whatever, if that is your argument against Joe Biden, then you have to explore the same argument against Donald Trump. Now, I'll tell you, for me, this isn't really an issue. Let's imagine for a moment they both are struggling cognitively. Joe Biden is going to have a team around him as he does now if he had a second term that is going to be sober and productive and effective, much like they have been during the first term. Trump, whatever his cognitive state, if he gets another four years, is going to have a team around him that is going to be yes people. In his first term, Trump at least initially picked a few sort of normal people, Rex Tillerson, etc. These people were washed out when it became clear that they weren't going to just do whatever Trump said. Trump will be completely unrestrained in a second term. And demented or not, Trump is going to put total loyalists around him who will do anything he tells them to do. He will weaponize the DOJ. He will do all of it. So let's assume either or both are struggling with cognitive decline. It doesn't change the fact that Biden is obviously the right choice over Donald Trump. So it'll be interesting to see to what degree Republican candidates talk about Trump's cognitive state as we close in in these last few weeks before the voting starts. It will be interesting to see to what degree corporate media does the same. But after this weekend, the story going mainstream. If you're someone who ever suffers from nausea, I know a number of people who do. Check out our sponsor, Relief Band. This is the number one anti-nausea wristband that can quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea. Many people use Relief Band for nausea from anxiety or from migraines, uh, car sickness, planes, boats. Former producer Lewis can tell you a little bit about car and planes. Relief Band is super simple, fast acting. It'll last as long as you need it to last. It's 100% drug free no side effects. And this was originally developed to be used in hospitals. Relief bands patented technology can turn off the feeling of nausea. It's a type of therapy called transdermal neuromodulation acustimulation. In simple terms, it's just a small band you wear on your wrist, sends a gentle pulse to the part of your nervous system that regulates nausea. There's good research showing relief band can help with nausea from motion sickness, pregnancy from certain medications. And a bunch of studies suggest that relief band can help with nausea after surgery in combination with medication. Relief band has an A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, over 100,000 satisfied customers online. See if relief band can help you kick nausea. Go to reliefband.com, use the code PACMAN at checkout. For 20% off plus free shipping, the info is in the podcast notes. How scary should we consider it to be when a bloodthirsty MAGA calls for civil war? How likely is a civil war? What historical analogies might we find? 
to this sort of ideology. Let's discuss it. I have a video to play for you. This is from outside Donald Trump's rally in Florida last week. And here is a Trump cultist who is openly calling not only for Trump to return to power, but really to start a civil war. I'm going to play the clip for you and then we're going to discuss it. When you say go after them, what do you mean? Arrest them, imprison them for violating our Constitution. How do you do that? Police are probably with us. I mean, the police will be on the side of of the Patriots. They sure will. They haven't been corrupted yet, as far as I know. I mean, (laughs) that is that's an actual civil war that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. You believe that the election was stolen in 2020? Absolutely. An actual civil war and the police will be on our side. There's actually a lot of substance here. It's 30 seconds, but there is a ton of substance here. We have to acknowledge as we think about. I want to try to get beyond Trump. And as we think about the political future of the United States beyond Donald Trump, we have to understand that the rise of this fascistic MAGA movement has activated some of the most hateful Americans and brought them to the surface. As I've said before, I don't believe Trump created racism or anti-Semitism, but he certainly made a lot of the people who have those beliefs far more comfortable in sharing them publicly and far more comfortable in acting on them. One of the things we learned thanks to MAGA Trumpism, and it's a horrible thing to learn, but it's also useful, is that there are far more of these people than we might have assumed. Many of them didn't vote. And when Trump showed up, they started to vote. They became active. The first thing that's critical to understand is when you start seeing this sort of civil war rhetoric, we're going to use the police and or the military in ways that Trump has talked about and his supporters have talked about. We're going to use it to uh, essentially fight this civil war domestically. This is the sort of incitement to violence and social unrest that can really have, I don't want to call them unintended consequences because for a lot of these people, I think they are exactly the intended consequences, but it can have very serious, very serious consequences. When individuals or groups start romanticizing the idea of a civil war, we're going to get out there and with the police and the military patrolling, we're going to take care of these leftists and we're going to prosecute the people, we're going to jail them, et cetera. Even if that doesn't literally happen, it will likely embolden people to commit all sorts of acts of real world violence. And we don't have to imagine that it might happen because we saw it happen on January 6th. Number two, people like me and I know many in the audience share my goal of trying to fix the breakdown of civil discourse and polarization. Now, this isn't some pie in the sky stuff where we're going to come to come to the table with literal KKK people and say, hey, let's figure out, you know, let's come to some agreement on immigration like they're too far gone as far as that goes. But at least in some sense, with regard to the elected officials, we have this idea that maybe we could get back on policy in some way, shape or form. That's not going to happen when the Civil War people are advocating like this guy's advocating. And then thirdly, implicit in calling for such a civil war and saying we're going to take the DOJ and weaponize it and then the police and or military will be on our side as well and then we'll destroy or or totally take over the Department of Education in order to do this, that, the other thing. Once we do all that, um, we are also undermining democratic institutions, which 
only signal boosts the authoritarian authoritarianism and disdain for democracy that these people have. So guys like this. Yeah, obviously he's nuts. Obviously he's dangerous. Obviously he believes things that aren't true, but it really can have an impact uh, in the real world. So that's one aspect of this that I think is is absolutely critical to remember. One last thing. The police will be on our side. There's actually a lot there. That's interesting, too, because in the aftermath of January 6th, the story was even though they they said for years we support the police and Democrats don't by January 20th, by the day Biden was inaugurated in 2021, let's put it that way, they were against the FBI. They were against the CIA. They're all thugs, politically motivated, can't trust them, don't have our interest in mind. And also, at least the Capitol Police are no good either. So it's very interesting that a lot of these fascist wannabes historically assume the police and the military will be on their side. We had this period right after January 6th where all of a sudden federal law enforcement and Capitol Police, at least some elements of law enforcement, were no longer assumed to be on their side. They've fallen back into it. We're seeing a regression to the mean where that's what they end up believing. I happen to believe and I know that there's different views in my audience about this. I happen to believe that what the generals say have said is true, which is if Trump really tried these things, he would not have the military on his side. As far as law enforcement, law enforcement means a lot of different things. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. I'm curious to see uh, uh, what what you think when you see this. Alina Habba is Donald Trump's lawyer right now, one of Trump's lawyers. She's stunningly incompetent. And one of the fascinating things that we are seeing right now is that she is proactively referring to Donald Trump's adult children as kids and the boys when she refers to Don Jr. and Eric Trump. This is a concerted effort to make it seem as though they are being unfairly targeted in Trump's civil trial. As you know, Don Jr. and Eric Trump, who are defendants in that civil trial, as well as Ivanka Trump, who is not a defendant in that civil trial, they all testified over the last couple of weeks. Here is Alina Habba. She's even younger than they are. And she's referring to them almost like they are little kids. Take a listen to this. They looked at their titles and they looked at, frankly, PR. And if they patch in the kids, it's more days that Letitia James can go out there and speak. It's more more press for her and kids. it's more of an impact. Radical left liberals don't really care about facts. They don't care about law. They care about making statements. And these kids did nothing wrong. They should not be in this case. Ivanka's already kids. out of the case. The boys should not be in the case. The They're, boys, the boys. Testimony was direct. And they just want to make it as if there was some sort of corruption and some sort of conspiracy. There was none. There was an accounting firm. There were lawyers. And there- All right. So you get the point, right? The kids, oh, the boys, they're so cute and they're being wrapped into this. All the people she's referring to are older than her. Maybe she's the exact same age as as Eric, roughly, right? We're talking about a 45 year old man in Don Jr. who now is on a colonoscopy schedule, right? I mean, he's old enough to be on a colonoscopy schedule and he's being referred to as one of the boys, the kids that is being unfairly wrapped into this. Yes, it's hilarious, but. Remember, when you see these Republicans talking about some 16 year old black kid and saying we shouldn't refer to them as a kid, look at what they did. We need to be. And then on the other hand, 
they're referring to a 45 year old as a boy and a kid when it's useful for defending Trump. There's a little bit of motivated reasoning there. I think we have to point out. Here's one other clip. This seems totally staged. Maria Bartiromo asks Alina Habba about uh, the judge's clerk. And Alina Habba says, oh, you know, I can't I'm not even allowed to talk to you about that because of the gag order, sort of the whole they're silencing my speech thing. Listen to this. I've been complaining about the judge's clerk and you say that the judge is compromised and the clerk appears compromised. Tell me why. Well, I actually can't tell you why, because I'm gagged. Right. Um, I I'm gagged. I can tell you that, uh, you know, we'll be filing papers uh, to address all of those issues. And mm. um, the fact that, frankly, Maria, I can't even discuss it with you. Wow. And I'm his spokeswoman. I'm his attorney says a lot about what the judicial system, the state of our judicial system right now. I, I think I, I did see that there were donations that the clerk had given very supportive mm. to the Democrats. That was one issue. Are you going to file? to get a mistrial. Yes. When they are demanding a mistrial. Will you do that today? Soon. Yeah. Very soon. Very, very soon. You know, um, it, it is absolutely absurd and laughable that what Alina Habba seems to be arguing here is that their side hasn't gotten to tell their story. Trump's version of events simply hasn't been able to be told. And yet every single one of us has heard that version of events ad nauseum. Uh, there was no uh, nobody was damaged by this. The loans were paid back. The properties are worth way more than anyone tells you. Mar-a-Lago is worth like I think at one point he said we got up to one point eight billion. He claimed it was worth a hundred times the assessed value. Uh, the idea that their side hasn't been able to tell their story is hilarious. But if they really believe that, put Trump back on the stand, because remember, the prosecution, or I guess we would say the, the plaintiffs, I actually don't know in a civil trial what the right term is. Uh, they rested, the state rested last week. Trump now gets to mount a defense. Trump and his lawyers can put him right back on the stand if they believe his story simply hasn't been told and they need to hear it again or they need to hear it the right way. I don't think they're planning to do that. And so on some level, they know that that's not really what this is about. So, you know, the poor little kids, 45 year old Don Jr. and everybody else, they're just being railroaded and Trump's not being allowed to speak and Alina Habba's not being allowed to speak and she's gagged. They've gagged her. But at the end of the day, they have had more media coverage and their version of events has been put forward all over the place. The question is, is it actually a defense to what is being alleged? It seems as though the answer is no. So we'll see what Trump's defense looks like this week. We'll take a break. Maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, we'll follow up. No matter your genetics or lifestyle choices, as humans, we all share some basic foundational nutritional needs. And properly replenishing your nutrients daily is important for gut health stress management, immune system. And that's where our sponsor AG one comes in. AG one is a foundational nutrition supplement. It supports your body's universal needs with something that you can easily absorb and utilize. So instead of a multivitamin or fumbling around with 10 different vitamin bottles, I've just replaced all of it with one scoop of AG one. I get the vitamins, the minerals, the prebiotics, the probiotics, all the stuff I'm looking for. 
It's delicious. It goes great in a smoothie. You can drink it straight with water like I do in the morning before my famous cappuccino. I've been doing it for years. You're just covering your nutritional basis for the whole day. It's simple. You don't have to buy a bunch of different vitamins. My audience knows I don't advertise miracle solutions and cures, and there's no miracle cure or solution here. It's just a simple product that works that replaces the clumsiness and the cost of a ton of different vitamins. Go to drinkag1.com slash Pacman. You'll get five free travel packs of AG1 and a free year's supply of vitamin D, which, as I've said, I take in the winter when there's a lot less sun out. That's drink. A is in Adam. G is in green. The number one dot com slash Pacman to get five free travel packs of AG one and a free year supply of vitamin D. The link is in the podcast notes. In an apparent attempt to reach the Hispanic or Latino community, we'll talk about that in a second. The failed former president, Donald Trump, made himself as orange as ever and showed up to be interviewed by Univision. This was uh, published in English as well as a version with subtitles. And I think they also did a version with with some kind of dubbing. And it's a very strange interview. And as a Hispanic slash Latino American myself, my view is this is not striking me as the sort of thing that would make me vote for Donald Trump. I know that I'm in a little bit of a different position as the host of a political show than maybe just a random voter. But let's take a look at a little bit. And one of the funny moments is Trump also seems confused about Hispanic versus Latino. The I call Hispanic Latino. You have lots of different uh, different terms, but uh, it all means the same thing as far as I'm concerned. To Trump, it's all the same. Now, it's funny, as with any time that Trump tries to explain something that he doesn't know anything about. It sounds weird, but I'll be very honest. I am, I think, Hispanic and Latino, uh, and I'm not 100 percent clear on the difference. And depending on who you ask, you get a different explanation. One view is Hispanic means anyone from a culture that speaks Spanish. So that would include Spain, even though Spain is in Europe, not in Latin America. Under that view, Latino would mean from Latin America and speaking Spanish. So under Latino, Spain is out, but Brazil also would be out. And the other South American countries that don't speak Spanish would be out. There are other people who say Latino refers to the geography of Central and South America. And so Brazil, where Portuguese is spoken, is included in Latino. Honestly, I get different answers every time I talk to people about this. It's quite a situation. It'll, I guess, be reassuring that Trump's as confused as anybody else. Then it got weird, as if this wasn't a weird moment. Trump then started talking once again about World War Three. They love to talk about Hillary would have gotten us into World War Three. Biden's going to get us into World War Three. And Trump says if such a World War Three were to take place, Mexico would probably no longer exist. Listen to this. You could end up in World War Three. And if World War Three happens, probably Mexico will no longer be around because the power of nuclear weapons are so big. If they hit us, you're going to be wiped out, too. That's how bad it is. And when I hear these people talking about the environment and over a 300 year period, the oceans will rise by one one hundredth of an inch. And this is such a threat. It's not a threat. The threat is not global warming. It's 
nuclear warming. It's the single biggest threat to your country, to our country, to every country. Now, the funny thing about Trump bringing up. So, so first of all, standard Republican fear mongering, make people afraid so that they will vote for you. Netanyahu does it in Israel. Republicans love to do it. Fear, fear, fear. Vote for me. I will resolve that issue for you. OK, uh, when Trump talks about nuclear as the greatest threat, Trump and basically most Republicans do not seem committed to any kind of broader nuclear disarmament. Sure, Iran shouldn't have them. They go with. And by the way, I agree based on what Iran funds and the belligerent threats of Iran. I don't want Iran having nuclear weapons. I also don't think the United States needs the number we have. And I'm for a broader disarmament, but they never go for the broader disarmament arguments. No, well, obviously we'll keep them and we'll keep making them and buying them and having them. And of course, but Iran shouldn't have them. And they what about a broader message of nuclear disarmament? You don't hear it from people like Trump. Trump then admits. And remember, when they tell us what they're going to do, we should believe them. Trump admits that since it's been done to him, he will weaponize the DOJ against his political enemies if he gets that opportunity. His former president, Donald Trump, addressed Spanish speaking voters yesterday in an interview with uh, Univision. This aired last night. It was with Univision correspondent and CBS News contributor Enrique Acevedo, who asked the former president if he planned to use the FBI and the Justice Department to target his opponents if he got a second term. Uh, Yeah, it could certainly happen in reverse. It could certainly happen in reverse. What they've done is they've Release the genie out of the box. You understand that they've done something that nobody thought. boxed genie. You know, it's sort of like wine. We're used to having genies in a bottle, but you do sometimes find boxed wine. It's sort of like a low rent thing. And you can also, <laughs> by the way, I, I know nothing about wine. For all I know, boxed wine is fine. Um, you could also find a boxed genie. What would happen? They've done indictments in order to win an election. They call it weaponization. And the people aren't going to stand for it. But, yeah, they have done something that allows the next party. I mean, if somebody if I happen to be president and I see somebody who's doing well and beating me very badly, I say, go "Go down and indict them. Mostly that would be, you know, they would be out of business. They'd be out. They'd be out of the election. There you go. So Trump's saying, hey, listen, they did it to me. I could do it. And if someone's beating me or whatever. Now, one really funny thing about this is. Beating Trump in what Trump can't run again if he wins in 2024. Trump saying, you know, if I win in 2024 and I get into power and then someone's running against me and maybe they're winning, I can go and have them indicted. What would you be running for if you won in 2024? Like every detail of this is completely and totally deranged. And then on the issue of the criminal charges against Trump, the interviewer actually doing a pretty good job to hit a lot of the important questions here. What if you're forced to drop out of the race. What if you're unable to run because of what's happening, going from trial to trial? Uh, here's Trump weighing in on that week. You were in New York in, in court um, today. You're facing four indictments in multiple jurisdictions. Are you concerned that you might win the Republican nomination only to be forced to drop out of the race? Well, I don't think you drop out. I think the people know it's a political persecution. It's a political hoax. Uh, This is Biden, who's the worst president in the history of our country. We've never had a president so dumb, so incompetent and so uh, corrupt from the standpoint of what they're doing. They've weaponized the Justice Department. They've weaponized the FBI and they've come at me with the worst indictments. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. 
And I'm probably the only guy ever indicted whose poll numbers have shot up through the roof. I mean, it's actually been <laughs> helpful from the standpoint of getting elected because right. the people understand it. It's a hoax. And everything they did, whether they rigged the election last time or this, it's the same thing. It's all the same thing. And frankly, it's the only thing they're good at. They're good at rigging elections. This is a form of rigging an election. So they think they can damage me. Now, so far, it's been the exact opposite because when you study it, and I have a voice. I mean, I have a voice with you. I have a voice with others where I can. All right. So the point here is Trump just doesn't think that these criminal trials and these charges are going to ultimately hurt him. So a really wacky interview. I'm not sure how many Latino voters were convinced to vote for Trump for this interview. I do think it's important to mention Republicans love telling the story that Hispanic voters in 2020 huge surge for Trump. It doesn't really seem that that's the case. Historically, if you look at 2008, 2012, 2016, somewhere between 27 and 33 percent of Latino voters voted for the Republican. It seems as though maybe Trump improved on that by like a point or so in 2020. But the numbers I'm finding don't show the Latino surge for Trump. So something to keep in mind. We'll see where that um, uh, group of voters shakes out in 2024. Hey, this is this is just absolutely hilarious. Uh, The day after last week's Republican debate, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's been a guest on this show, appeared on the PBD podcast hosted by Patrick Bet David. I have also been a guest on that program. My name came up and they said that I am hardcore. This is let's look at this is about a minute clip. They talk about the poll on our YouTube channel the poll many of you voted in, uh, which said that Vivek did not do well. Take a listen to this. So here's what I want to show you. I want to show you three polls. okay? and one of them may or may not be a poll and and we'll we'll get your thoughts on it. So first thing that's going around, here's uh, New York Times. okay? who did well in the the debate? I was about to say podcast. So did better score 10 Nikki Haley. Then they have DeSantis. Then they have Chris Christie. Then they have Tim Scott. Then they have you last. Okay. Yep. Now keep in mind, this is New York Times. Let's go to the next one. And is that a poll? You know that, right? Yeah. This, this was, yeah, that's, that's, that's an opinion. opinion. That's just their that's, opinion. That's, that's no, just go, back to it, go back to it. Go back to it. I, was, I want to make sure that's right. Yeah. Opinion writers and the, the, so their own opinion writing writers staff, and contributors. Yeah. yeah their, their own staff who writes for Which those. Which is great, for, by the way. Yeah, but but really by the way, to I me. To me, I see this as flip it. Is how I see it. Okay, well, go to the next one. Go to and this is David Pakman. You've been on a show, yeah. and I thought it was a very good show. The two of you guys together. Yep. You, this guy's a far left, hardcore liberal guy. He thinks Biden's doing a fantastic job. I talk to the left. Yeah. I like hardcore. I am hardcore. I, 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 yeah. and, and I thought it was a very good conversation with the two of you. At the bottom here is Tim Scott. Okay, Dennis DeSantis. Then it's you. Then it's Chris Christie, oh then Nikki Haley. By the way, the, the weird thing is Democrats, 37,000 votes. So this is actual votes on Twitter are choosing. He's talking about you guys. That's 37,000 of you guys. Nikki Haley, then Chris Christie, you in the middle. This is how I process this. On New York Times, they want him last. On a David Pakman, they have you right in the middle and they want DeSantis last. Second. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about this. They want stuff that Patrick is talking about the who who's the they I guess he's talking about you, right? The thirty seven thousand of you that voted, he says they want Vivek second or last or middle or whatever the, the case may be. It's a poll on YouTube of my audience. So the concept of what you want, you just gave your opinion. Now, my colleague John, who set up this poll, 
he actually said to me, you know, what it means to win in this context can mean a bunch of different things. When when I ask people in my audience, who do you think won the Republican debate? It might mean who performed the best, whose performance was the best performance, or it might mean whose ideas did you like the most in terms of if you were to vote? That's a very different question than whose performance was the best. Or the question could be, who do you believe performed in such a way that will be most appealing to Republican primary voters, not you. But like for me, it'd be like, well, I would vote for Chris Christie. He's the only sane person on the stage. But I don't think that that's the person perceived as doing the best. I think it was probably Nikki Haley in the last debate. So anyway, you all got a shout out there. The they that they're talking about Vivek and PBD. That's you. It's you. The thirty seven thousand of you that voted hilariously. The whole thing about me being hardcore. I don't think that when people see me for the first time, they go, whoa, hardcore. This guy is hardcore, but I think I should embrace it. I actually think hardcore leftist David Pakman is maybe maybe a good good uh, uh, name for me. And I'm going to Florida in a few weeks. Maybe I should try to get back on the PBD show. He said, let us know if you're ever in town again. We'll have you back on. Should I try to get back on there or should I just enjoy my vacation? Let me know what you think. We have a voicemail number. I'm going to warn you, there is very, very strong language in this voicemail, very strong language. This is what's happening among the hardcore right wing. Hey, David Patman. Hey, uh, my name is Larry. And I wanted to say I think you're a dumbass. I don't even see how you think you know about politics. Uh, right. I'm not even a politician, but I tell you right now, I could debate you. Okay. And you look like a f-ing idiot like you are. You think the country is stronger under Biden? Are you a dumbass or what are you? Because I don't know what you think you are, but I don't know how you steal two million dollars from the American people and think that you got a voice to be heard. I think I think he means two million subscribers, right? Like what? I don't even know what that's about. What is he talking about? You are a pussy. I think you are a dumbass and I think you are a dumb who thinks that he can talk about politics when you don't know jack about anything. Well, you know, the thing is, this guy could go and build an audience himself. If his views are so titillating and compelling and correct, just build the audience. Show me that I don't know what I'm talking about. And anytime you want to talk about politics with somebody who's got no college, who's got no education, who's got a GED, I will be willing to debate you on anything because you are such a dumbass. You think the country's stronger under Biden? Are you a retard or are you just saying that to get hits because you're an asshole? Actually, the clips I do saying I think Biden's been a pretty good president. They don't do well at all. (laughs) If I were doing it for clicks, I should be doing something else. You are the dumbest I think I've ever seen in my life. And I tell you now, man, you are making ass out of yourself on Patrick David Bett or David Patrick Bett, whatever his name is. You are the stupidest looking I've ever seen in my life. And I love to see your hands shake like you're a scared little bitch because you don't even know what you're saying. Right. And if you've got caller ID, which I'm sure you do, because you're probably a it with that, too. You know, you can contact me. through. Listen, you can contact me. This gentleman whose arguments clearly would blow me out of the water. 
He is free to call in when we take live calls for the Friday show. I would I would escort him to the front of the line. I would love to talk to this guy and let's see whose ideas reign supreme. That's a perfectly beautiful thing to do. Obviously, a very sick person, as you can imagine. We've got a great bonus show for you today. Sign up at joinpacman.com. I'll see you then.